1: that's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Riding into this
0: world. All alone. That takes take your soul. You're on your own. A crow flies straight.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of Wayne's Sports Talk. Yes, on a regular Sunday night. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Joined tonight with co-host Trey Patterson, if he can make it. If not, that's fine as well. We're not going to go a long time tonight, but I just want to get some more consistency back with the show heading into the heading into the end of December with this football playoff coming up, and then into the, of the off season. Hopefully, this off season will have a lot of of, of great stuff to discuss like the last couple of years has has had. So, you know, we'll get you the football season back. So if you're Alabama, Oregon, Florida State, or Ohio State, you know, you're excited you got the Final Four. But after that's all over, we're going to take you through till next season. And thank you all for joining us tonight. About to kick off the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles. Huge game in the NFC East. The winner of this game is probably going to win the division, the loser, it's probably out of the playoffs. That's how close this division is. Green Bay losing today. Um, they're in the wild card still. Detroit leads that division right now. So a lot of things iron out in the NFL we're going to discuss tonight. But first, some tragedy we need to discuss in Auburn, Alabama. Jake, Jake I'll call him Jake Mitchell. It's Jaquel Mitchell was shot and killed last night at the same apartment complex that uh, two former players were shot and killed at two years ago. It's kind of weird. Two years removed and and here we are. The same kind of tragedy happens. And and we're going to discuss tonight, too, when when is enough enough in this town or any town, the killings, shootings, robberies. I mean, everything happens everywhere. It's not just in Auburn, but this, this apartment complex off campus, is where a lot of these kids go to party, they go to hang out. There's no security and the the people doing the shooting are not even students. They're they just come in from the outside and and start shooting up people. So tragically, Mr. Mitchell's is is going to be missed. I mean, a, a death that I just can't describe it. I don't know how to I don't know the kid personally, but I don't care what team it was for. Anytime I hear news like this of an 18-year-old kid dying way before he was supposed to, it just makes you wonder, what's going on in this world? What can we do to to help it? But, you know, if I'm Gus Malzahn, if I'm the Auburn Tigers organization, the first thing I'm going to do is is make this place right here. Um, You can't go in. That's just the bottom line. If you decide, if you get seen here, if we catch you in this in this apartment complex, you'll no longer be on the Auburn football team, basketball team, baseball team, whatever. But it's enough's enough. I mean, there's a lot going on right now with this story. They do have a the person that shot him in custody. I'm surprised he made it to custody because a lot of people I know are out looking for this. But what's going to happen now with Auburn? You know, this is a, comes two days after, or really a day if you think about it, the day after Will Muschap was announced as the new defensive coordinator. But here we go again. This this team's been through a lot the last few years, and now, you know, the grief of a, of a friend, a, a teammate, a, a brother, a son. I mean, this is just one of those things. I don't care if you're an Auburn fan or not. This has to, to make you look and, and just wonder, what in the world's going on in this country to make someone just shoot someone? over no reason and then again we don't we don't have the story we don't know what happened if you do call in 646-716-5564 i'm pretty close to the to the program and i really don't have any information except some behind the scenes things with his family you know some but i'm not going to get into that on air but it's a tragic day in auburn alabama how will this team get get through all of it you know grief counselors are our own side trying to help these kids deal with it. This is bowl practice starts tomorrow and they're going to be attending a funeral in the next couple of days. And not too long ago, uh, Philip Ludson Kirkin died in a car crash. And then just a couple of years ago, two Auburn or former Auburn players were murdered at the same apartment complex. So, Gus Malvine, you have your hands full right now. This is something that they don't teach in a coaching book. Uh, it's not X's and O's. This is real life. This is hurt and kids at that age. I remember when I was eighteen, I thought I was invincible. I thought I could do no wrong. I mean, I was going to live forever. But the older I get, the more I realize that every day we have on Earth is precious. And if, if you don't believe so, just just look around you at what's going on in this world. And it's just a a very sad day. And all athletes, all students. Sonia's in the chat room. I just saw her in here i um, about to bring her on in just a second. If she's in the studio, I'll check. But she agrees. Make it off limits to current students and athletes if you have to. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I, I know you can't control everything. But as far as the, if you're Gus on in this team, if you're the leader of this team, you make it off limits. It's just like Nick Saban with T-Town's Menware. If he wanted to not let his players go there because the guy was getting them in trouble, he has every right to do that. So I just, I want to see how this, how this affects the Auburn football team. And I'm just glad that they have a year almost to to get ready, you know, to, to, to heal emotionally and mentally. And, you know, the bowl game's great and all, it's fun, but who cares? I mean, Wisconsin beats them, you know, who really cares? It's all about next year anyway. So let me bring on Sonya Minson right now. She did press number one in the studio. Sonya, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, how are you, Tarvin? Jason and I are here, um, and uh, I know, I know. I wanted to um, <clears throat> send, extend our sympathy from the Bama Nation to Auburn Tiger Nation because, you know, we're rivals on the field, but off the field, all of these kids are our kids. You know what I'm saying? So t- to hear that and to hear that it's it's the same apartment complex, it's like, okay, shut it down. Just shut it down. It's yep. off limits. If you Unless you are a current – graduate student, because from what I understand, I think grad students live there, and there was, like, some former players the last time this happened that the kids were over there trying to see or hang out with. It's You just need to just shut it down. You know, no, no student of Auburn can, no current student athlete can go to this complex, just something like that, because it, it just makes no sense, and it makes me angry, because I think of these, these are kids. My son is 24, okay, but I remember when he was 18. I remember when I was 18. And it's one of those things where it just makes you so angry. Yeah, you get this knee jerk reaction, but you're almost like so frustrated. Like, what do what 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 do we have to do? You know, you've got Philip's father. He came and he gives talks. You've got all of these coaches going out and getting all of these these getting all of these guys to come in and really talk some common sense into these players. But they still make simple mistakes, and it all boils down to the decision that you decided to do. So you've got to watch your decision making abilities. This this is just ridiculous, and it hurts.
1: Well, I, well, I think enough's enough. Like you said, it's it's time now to where, you know, I I actually spoke to Tino today, and he was, he didn't agree with me on on Malzahn making this off limits. If if any player, not not just a a walk on or a backup, any player, if you're the starting quarterback at Auburn, and I hear of you being there, you're seen there, you're done, and that's how you have to be. If your gut miles on because you're not doing this to in a power trip, you're doing this to save the lives of kids that obviously you know maybe they're not making the right decision. I don't know I wasn't there, but nothing good. How many times have you heard Sonia? Nothing good happens after midnight
2: exactly or is or is my book it's we've heard that saying, and also the one um basically, if you're not where you need to be before midnight, you don't need to be there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just. I mean, there's so much. I mean, the the world today is not the the same world it was when you know I was 18. What 20 years ago, and and man, it's it's scary. I would. I would, I don't know if I'd want to be 18 years old again, Sonia. I mean, this back back then, even just 20 years ago, for the most part, you could you could get in a fist fight. That's how you settled your differences. With either you discuss it like. Like adults or or like civil people, or even you know, if you get in a fight or a disagreement, there's no nobody dying, Nobody's getting shot. I mean, but now it's everybody's a coward and they have to carry a gun. So if you get in a disagreement, there you disrespect somebody. There's a bullet coming, and that's just that's I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> I graduated in 19 in
2: 1987. I'm 45 years old, and The biggest thing when we were in school, you know, of course, fighting and all this stuff happened. It happens everywhere. But the most that you had to worry about somebody having was a knife or, like, a pipe or something. You know what I'm saying? You never really worried about anybody having a gun because even at our age, like, we would turn in each other. You know what I'm saying? So if somebody had a gun and we knew about it, it was like, okay, somebody's mom needs to know so they can look into this. We just didn't let it go. And I think what's going on with this generation is not only that sense of entitlement, that a lot of these kids have these days, but it's a lot of babies raising babies. You know what I mean? Like when I was growing up, my mom is 20, she's exactly 20 years older than I am. She had me when she was 20, okay? So the, the older I get, the younger I see grandmothers and parents. It's because, you know, these kids are getting pregnant younger, and you've got babies raising babies raising babies. And that's what it really yep. all boils down to, and that's when we need to step back in because I think you're you're probably like Jason and I, when we grew up, the neighborhood raised you. Like if the if the, if the next-door neighbor said, get your butt in the house, guess what? You don't say, you're not my mama. That'll get you a butt. You know you're going to get a butt with it. man. It was like, okay, you know, Miss so-and-so. But these days you can't even do that because you might get popped.
1: Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's not a good time, you know, for – for kids, I mean, just think—you're 18 years old. You, you really don't know. I'll speak from a male, all we're, we're shot full of hormones. Really, we're we're changing. You know, it's just crazy. It's a hard time it, to be a man as 18 to try to find out. You know, you're you're right out of high school. Everything's confusing. You don't know what your future is going to be, and then you leave to go out off to college. And man, I went to a smaller school and. And it was still hell out there. There was so much partying and bad stuff going on. Imagine you go to a big school like Auburn uh, with a lot of kids out there far off from home. There's a lot of trouble to get into and gangs now and and just violence. It's just it's not safe anymore out there. I don't care who you are. And this could happen, Sonia, not just Auburn. It could happen in Athens. It could happen in Austin and California. It's not just Auburn, Alabama. But I, I do question why this complex is having these murders and it's because a lot of kids go there to party and kind of break rules. That's really what's, what happens. The pool's open 24 hours a day is supposed to close it at, at like 11 o'clock. The kids are out there partying, drinking, smoking, doing, you know, anything they want to do. And only bad things can happen when you, when you're breaking rules. So exactly. I'm just wondering what tra- Gus is going to do.
2: seems like that, it's that um, apartment complex attracts a bad al- uh, element anyway. So, you know, to me, like I said before, it might be a knee-jerk reaction, but I'm so tired of hearing of these young kids being shot and killed by being in the wrong place at the same at the wrong time. And what parents need to really understand is it, it might seem disheartening, but if you have a child, especially a young child now, do not worry or fret. If you have faith in God, and this is just my personal opinion now, but... The way I cover my son is I stay prayed up. I pray for him daily. I teach him life lessons that he can learn so he understands this is what happens when you make that choice. Now, he's made some bad decisions himself, you know, which cost which ended up costing him money, you know, speeding tickets, thank God. But, you know, but I'm mm-hmm. saying you have to teach your children. The only thing that you can do as a parent is equip them with the best tools to make the best decisions for themselves. Now, that to me is every parent's duty. You have to give your child the right tools. But once they become like 18, they make their own decisions. But if you give them the right tools and you have a strong foundation, a strong foundation of wisdom and love and, and support in that child, they will make the right decisions.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And, and parents out there, I mean, you're right. Just, you have to give it to God sometime, give your child and pray for them and, and just teach them. But it's just very sad. Anytime you see... Anybody murdered, but especially an 18-year-old kid that was was loved by his teammates was a good kid. And, and again, we'll know more of the story, and I'd like to thank you for listening to that. We wanted to bring that up first, um, you know, out of respect for the kid and his family in Auburn. If you'd like to call in, the number is 646-716-5564, and we'll keep you up to date on any changes um, in the investigation going on, but the guy is behind bars at a okay. huge rap sheet, so so we'll see. The, the, I, don't, I don't think he's going to get out this time after three months, so hopefully death no. row will be awaiting. So let's move on right quick in college football. The Heisman trophy last night, Sonia, was uh, you know, it wasn't surprising that Mariota won, but it was surprising that Cooper finished third in voting. I never saw that coming. Give us your thoughts on the Heisman.
2: Um, It it, it finished exactly like we said. Like I said, Mariota was going to win it. Cooper would be second or third. But I'm going to be honest, this is the reason, to me, that we should wait until after all the games are played. Because if Alabama and Oregon luck up and get in the national championship and Cooper has a beast mode day and shows Mariota up and the tie wins handily, what do you say then?
1: Yeah, you voted too early. And, and, and what's the rush, by the way? Why do we have to do it, like, right now? Why can't we wait until January to award to no. the honor? That doesn't make any sense to me.
2: I know Jason was talking about that. Jason, you want to touch on that? I still feel the same way. I mean, <clears throat> I, I still
0: think they voted too early. Well, there's
1: still games to play. There you go. Yeah, then you remember Trent Richardson a couple of years ago with um, – you know he was edged out by RG3 i believe one of that year but if you let the season yep. go on but well, because you know what it is a part of the season that's what the Heisman trophy is based on your stats and and what you do during the season well you know bowl season what if uh you know Melvin Gordon for Wisconsin, he still plays one game left against Auburn. What if he goes off for 300 yards
0: or something? Exactly.
2: That's my point. Yeah. (laughs) See, because I just kind of shook my head and I'm like, okay, of course we knew Mariota was going to get it, so that's no surprise. But it's just the fact that you've got these three guys who are just at the top level, you know, in their position. And it's it's like uh, there was a breakdown, Jason and I were watching. It was on college football, because I watch it every day. But on Fridays they have College Football, The Edge, and College Football Daily, back-to-back. And they were both breaking, both shows were breaking down each of the candidates. And what I really liked is the fact that the point was made, okay, yes, Mariota is a great quarterback. Yes, he did this. Yes, you know, he, he got all whatever his stats are this season, blah, blah, blah. But he's been doing that with the same O-line. And with the same coach, you have got Amari Cooper, who's got a brand new quarterback, a brand new offensive coordinator, brand new plays to run, and he still produces. And just does not skip a beat. Then you've got Melvin Gordon, who's just—I mean, bow down to him. You know what I'm saying, dude? There's there's like there's teams right now that are like, look, we're gonna lose every single freaking game left, so we can at least get a great, good draft pick to get him. So when you got you know when you've got this this kind of talent it does make you angry because you're just like, it's not done yet, guys. You know, you voted way too early. It could be the reverse order. Now what happens, you know, if Mariota you know, gets his his bell rung by Mari Cooper in the national championship? You can't go back and re-give it to him. You can't take it away from Mariota and give it to him. I think you should just wait.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of football left and, and possibly two more games for Mari Cooper, possibly two more games for Mariota. And like you said, what if they play each other? And and I just don't like it. I never liked it. We've seen we've seen Heisman Trophy winners get into the national championship game multiple times and lay eggs. How many times have we seen a Heisman Trophy winner? You remember um Gino Toretta from Miami unstoppable oh, yeah. really played Alabama? Yeah. I mean just oh, people my like God. that. Yep. <laughs> and it's just like come on this is a part of the season and, and, and here's the truth. There's not many Heisman trophy finalists that are not in a bowl game. So you know all of them are are going to be playing in a bowl game. So even if they don't, if they're the best player after the bowl, it's fine too. You just give them the trophy in January. So I just don't know what the rush is and what is it going to take to get that change. because I'm not the only one saying this. I mean, I've heard you say it and multiple other people. I mean, this this has a chance to be even more exciting. Just think if the Heisman Trophy was after – and and not only is a championship on the line, but a Heisman trophy's on the line, it would make all the Bama players, Oregon players, Wisconsin players play harder for their guy.
2: Exactly. I'm t- do we are so on point and, and, and feel this exact same way, but it's just one of those things where you just go, Okay, what it's like how do I put this? When you look at the last two Heisman trophy winners, okay, Johnny Menzel and James's. What are they doing right now? Johnny had his debut today. It did not turn out so well.
0: <laughs>
2: it's putting it mildly. I'll just I'll say that and just say that's putting it mildly. But then you turn around and you've got Jamesis, and yes, he's he's putting on his super cape and he's doing everything. But dude, you're coming from behind in every game. You can't. It's like Mariota. Yeah, but Mariota has more tools. I mean, you've got freaking your offense is nothing but track stars. Okay, <laughs> you just got Jamesis. super jameses so when you you look at all of these factors i just think that it's not fair to to what the award stands for to the recipient and to the people that are that end up being finalists it's really not fair to the spirit of the award to give it so early that's just my personal opinion i I have no power but that's what i think
1: well i see a lot of voters and and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure you've heard this as well, they have their votes already in two weeks before the season's even over sometimes. They've already voted and mailed it in. And, you know, the last 25% of the people will mail it in, you know, this past week. But these voters, Sonia, are doing a disservice to these kids because you can't not vote until the season's over, especially the regular season at least. Some of these guys are voting way too early. And I I just think the Heisman Trophy is turning into a joke.
2: I totally agree. It's 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 just it's not right. I mean, something needs to change because I just see a lot of rewarding of mediocrity. Um, it's I align. I, I it to do um, an NFC South team making the playoffs. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how tragic it
1: is. <laughs> yeah, I just I just wish that that look at this. Maybe they'll they'll start looking at this, especially. It'll, it'll change if, if Amari Cooper wins a championship and he goes off and they do get a chance to play against Mariota and the Bama defense shuts him down. Or even Florida oh. State, somebody does. It's, it's going to really make people start scratching their head. And I guarantee you, you'll hear this topic discussed on multiple radio shows. You know, whether Amari Cooper be the Heisman Trophy winner? Just say if they won and everything on well, you know remember, January the 10th. That's
2: true. And remember when, when RG3 did win it? And you know the tie went on to win the, another national championship, and there were guys who have vote, you know, who have voting, um, voting proxies saying, "I wish I would have waited." You know, I wish I would have waited. So I think the majority of the voters feel the same way too, as, as the majority of the public. It's like, come on, guys, we're we're going to we're voting on something that means a lot to this person and this person's career way too early because there could be a better qualified candidate later on. In, you know, two weeks from now. And now with the championships, I really think they really need to push some of these awards back. I'm just going to be honest.
1: Yeah, that's the only way That's the only way to make it a, you know, a true test of the entire season. I mean, some people have shorter seasons than others, but, hey, you know, with a Hodgson Trophy finalist on the team, you know, maybe that's the reason they're playing more games or are in better games. So I'm interested to see. We'll talk about that. But all three guys, class acts. You, yes. you couldn't ask for a better top three than I've seen. It doesn't matter the order of finish once it's after number one, but all three of these guys could have been the winner, and I wouldn't have been shocked at all. That's how, to me, in my mind, that's how close it was. So
0: oh, yeah. the husband
1: Trophy is over, and we got the final four coming up. But let's move on to the NFL real quick, and we'll come back for some college, and then we'll wrap it up. We're not going to stay long. I know you can't stay long tonight either. And you know what? I'm tired, Sonia. So. <laughs>
2: Well, I know I'm why tired. you're tired, but
1: I'm not going to say a word. I <laughs> know, well, right? Well, let's go to the NFL today, and you know, you said it earlier, Johnny Manziel. He, you know, it's different when you're coming in, you know, for the last quarter of a game sometimes, and you move up down the field. But it's different when you're playing, and a team has a whole entire week to prepare for you. Sonia, uh-huh. what do you think of Mr. Manziel? Could that be the worst quarterback performance you've ever seen? Almost.
0: It's tiring. I'll let Jason go first. Tar- Tarvin, here's my thing. Cleveland Cleveland fans, show a little class. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I, I'm not the biggest Manziel fan. You know that, Tarvin. But it was the dude's first game. <laughs> so yeah, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. And he has no line <laughs> so what did he mm-hmm. expect? And, you know, I think Cleveland fans expected today – a four touchdown, three hundred plus yard, no interception performance out of Johnny Manziel, and it wasn't going to happen. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so Jason, why do you? If you're the Cleveland coach, if you're the GM, the coach, and and you your team's got a winning record and you're you're doing good, why do you put Johnny Manziel in right now? I just want to ask you that. Why now? Why not the second game of the season or what? Or why not next year? Why this week?
0: I. Well, you know, I think it kind of has to do with management in Cleveland saying, do we really want to just squeak in and be the last seed of the playoff and get a worse draft pick? Or do we want to just miss the playoffs and get a better draft pick, like Sonia said? You know, I, I'm under the opinion, I was happy with my Vikings losing today because I don't want to step in as a low seed with a worse draft pick. I want Amari Cooper, so.
2: (laughs) And with me, Tarvis, I totally agree with with Jason, and I just, Cleveland fans, you know, really, come on. He's a rookie, all right? He's a kid. He came from Tam U, and we all know that things weren't exactly lollipops and rainbows down there. So here's this kid navigating his way through the NFL. He's not always going to you're not going to have that that Tebow moment. You know when when he was at the when he went to the Broncos and all of a sudden it was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, is he good? Is he good?" No. Think about it. I don't care if you have Johnny Manziel, I don't care if you have Brian Hoyer. I don't care what you have right now. You are the Browns. You suck. You always suck. <laughs> you're just like Atlanta Falcons, okay? Quit quit hyping everything up, and thinking that you're going to make it to a certain level, no, you will get your dreams dashed every time. (laughs) We know, trust me, we in Georgia, we love our Falcons, but we know they are doomed to disappoint us. Why you thought that this kid was going to come in and just be super money man, put on a cape, and take you guys to the promised land, I have no idea, because you guys obviously, obviously were not watching him in college. We were. And we tried to tell you. No, he is not as good as you think he is. He's good. Trust me, I give him that that man is a good quarterback. He's a good college quarterback. You gotta give him time to grow. He was
1: he was ten of eighteen, eighty yards, uh, two picks, no touchdowns. But here's the deal, Cleveland offensive line. He was sacked three times and I think he was hurried yep. twenty six times, I mean or something like that. I believe it was, or knocked down, or whatever. Here's the deal, Cleveland. Your your offensive line has to get better, and and you're Cleveland. Like Sonia said, I mean, you're Cleveland. It's not like you're supposed to come out there and throw for three hundred yards anyway. But it's
0: yeah. The Cleveland
1: fans are getting a little carried away right now. But you know, the first game of the year that you you've actually started and everything. You know what? It could have been worse. I mean, my God, you could have been carried out on a stretcher or something. So. At least right? he made it. We 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 know that that he's going to be the future at least next year, and they'll see. But God, there's a lot of hype that went around Johnny Manziel in college, especially, and then once that draft took place, it was like a circus. So oh, anyway, the Cleveland Browns the Cleveland Browns lose thirty to nothing at home, and then today the Atlanta Falcons, you know, with a terrible record, they lose twenty-seven to twenty. The Pittsburgh. Julio out. Sonia, Carolina is number one in this division with a 5-8-1 and record. I mean, isn't it sad that a team out of this division is going to make the playoffs and the San Francisco 49ers are already out of the playoffs?
2: Just to quote one of my favorite quarterbacks that I love to watch being an analyst now, Trent Dilfer, it's pathetic. <laughs> That's his favorite <laughs> word. It's Pathetic. And what's really sad, and I posted this on Friday in a few of my groups. You know what I realized when I was I was looking at the conference stats and just kinda you know me, I'm I'm always looking at stats and researching and just reading up on sports. And I realized something and I'm like, Oh my god. It it, it what does it say about the NFC South when the Sunbelt Conference has a better record than you do? The <laughs> Sun Belt. We're talking Phoenix University, Weber State <laughs> I'm saying they have a better record than the NFC South for an NFC South team to even be considered for a playoff spot and I don't care if I am a Falcon fan that is just ludicrous it's it's atrocious
1: they ought to make a rule that says you know if if your division does have a team under 500 which is guaranteed now for the for this division then it ought to go to default to a wild card team like someone else I just think the the number one thing you have to be over 500 if you're going to make the playoffs. If you're if you're under 500, you don't get in. I'm sorry, you suck. You, why are you why do you even yeah. want in? You're not you're not going to win it anyway. And you know, Carolina without Cam Newton today, 19 to 17 over Tampa, they can think they're lucky stars that they played Tampa Bay and and nobody exactly. else. But, <laughs> but here they are, and the Saints tomorrow night go to Chicago. But just when you think you have football figured out, guys, you know, Green Bay's hot. You know, I picked this upset today, and I feel good about it. Buffalo beats Green Bay 21-13. to 13. I Oh, mean, my it's, God, it's that's just, funny. The, the NFL is crazy right now. New England showing Miami who their daddy is. And RG3 comes in and gets to play a little bit today against the Giants. I mean, well, Sonia, just recap to me. Just give me a couple sentences. What what do you think of the NFL this year?
2: Uh, let's see. I would say this, and this is as a Falcons fan and as a football fan, professional football fan. When I look at these college teams, you have to have a 600 to even be bowl eligible. All right? When I'm looking at these professional teams who get paid money, that's all You got one job, dude, okay? <laughs> You're either going to be on offense, defense, or special teams. All you got to do is play your position, and you will get all more money than I will probably make in a lifetime. And you can't even put good product out there? Okay, so why should I be buying jerseys, uh, uh, what is it, rally towels, all this different merchandise to support a team that's putting this kind of product on the field? And that's one reason I told I posted on the Atlanta Falcons, um, Atlanta Falcons Facebook page. I'm sorry, guys. Until I see better product, you guys won't see a dime of my money. I'm not trying to buy a <laughs> ticket. I'm not trying to buy a jerk. Now Julio, that's another story because that's that's Bama boy. Okay, <laughs> that that one might slide in. <laughs> but anything else? No, I'm not trying to spend my money because you're not giving me anything to. Why? I'm not supporting that crap.
1: Now, Sonya. Sonia, I'll, I'll give you I, – I think I, if Alabama sucked, just say, I think you'd be more willing to go watch their games than if a uh, Falcons team that, that they jacked the prices up on everything. At least those college kids are there as amateurs. They're not getting paid to play, really.
0: Thank
1: you. Am I right about
2: that? They're playing for heart. You know what I mean? These guys are playing for something. You're talking, you're talking, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-something-year-old kids or young men, versus grown, big, rusty adults who are getting super paid. You gonna to get a check whether your your uniform gets dirty or not, dude? Okay, <laughs> you ain't even gotta get dirty and you still gonna get paid. And you think that I'm gonna sit there and spend my money for this? Nah, shawty. I am not satisfied yeah. with. NFL is putting out. I'm sorry. Especially the NF- NFC South. Every team in the NFC South needs to be just freaking ashamed of themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, if college kids are out there playing for, like you said, hard. They're playing for each other. NFL, if you're going to charge all this money, and it, it costs a lot of money to go to an NFL game, a lot of money in the jerseys and everything at least, Put something out there. It's like a company, Sonia. Are you going to support a company that just sucks? I mean, because that, no. they're going to get fired, go out of business. And these guys are professionals. They make millions of dollars, and they they play like crap. So, I don't, I don't support that. I'm same sorry. Page.
2: We're on the same page. <laughs> oh, and the Titans. I have to give a shout out to the Tennessee Titans. Okay, their new motto is: If you can't beat them on the field, just beat their butts. That was the most just ridiculous display of unsportsmanlike conduct I've ever seen. To, to take a cheap shot at Geno Smith, a bench-clearing, almost fight, fight-almost flags all over the place, stay classy, Titans. Just stay classy.
1: Yeah, that's something the Titans can't do yet. Baby. Only fight when you're good. Don't fight when you suck. I mean, Thank you. On.
2: That was my dude. I swear I was saying the same thing. I'm like, dude, I could see if y'all were fighting and y'all were like, freaking the Broncos or somebody, but... If, if, you, if, you, if you put
1: that much effort in the practice every week and during are in the game, you may be better than what you are instead of taking your frustration out on somebody that, that's kicking the crap out of you, you know? I mean, right, those it's kind of like, why
2: they, are you mad because... Wait, why are you mad at me because you
1: suck? <laughs> How's that my but, fault? Yeah, another... I mean, the, today wasn't a a great day to me in the NFL. Detroit-Minnesota was a good game. The Lions won 16-14. to Jason, what did you think of, uh, of Bridgewater in this game? I know he threw a couple picks, but I don't think he played that bad.
0: No, I mean, he had a decent game. I mean,
2: <clears throat>
0: we got to get stronger up front. <clears throat> you give Teddy some time and, you know, he can find the open receiver. I mean, I don't care what who, who your quarterback is. I mean, if you don't have time to throw... You end up like Manziel. Well,
1: so, Jason, give me a status on Adrian Peterson right now. I mean, will he be a new Viking next I mean, will, will he be a Viking next year? What's going on with that story?
0: Um, the only way he's not a Viking next year is if he retires. And he hinted at walking away like Barry Sanders, but come on, dude. I mean, Barry walked away at the pinnacle of his career. You're walking away with freaking clout. So, um, he'll be back next year.
1: That Minnesota team will be a a lot better.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Tarvin, I mean, I like, if, if we do what I think we should do, and we draft Amari Cooper, you get AP, you know, you got Cooper, you got Wright, you know, Jennings. Patterson. Patterson. Patterson's got some work, though. And yeah, know, he but he's got worked, the
1: capability.
0: He's got the capabilities, but you know, you you watched, you know, like I did when he played for Tennessee and he was always missing that special something. Um and he just has to figure out what that is. So, you know, Zimmerman kind of demoting him kind of, you know, opens his eyes, so he he's now on board, so We'll see.
1: Well the, well, the Denver
0: Broncos today
1: with a uh, quarterback with the flu went on the road and, and beat the Chargers 22-10. to 10. I mean, that's going to – I think Denver, New England's your AFC champion, no doubt there. But another interesting game, the Seahawks at home, they're starting to play like that team, Sonia, that that we saw last year win a Super Bowl. That defense is starting to, to look unstoppable. And if the offense can can just do enough, they're going to be – Hard to beat because if they went out, Green Bay's not going to be hosting the NFC, you know, championship. They're not going to have home field through. What do you think about the Niners not making the playoffs? I mean, Harbaugh's gone after this year, right?
2: He's gone after this year, and <clears throat> the, Hawks, the Seahawks. You got to give them credit. I mean, they're ten and four. What six and one at home? Russell was twelve for twenty-four today, hundred sixty-eight yards, touchdown. He was actually playing like the Russell Wilson we're used to playing. Like seeing him ex- escape. Just when the pocket collapses and seeing him the way he scampers, it's it's a joy to watch. You know when you've got those kind of those kind of games. Um, I hate that Frank Gore got hurt. You know he's out with a concussion. Um, what's really gonna What's really sad is the fact that the 49ers, who are seven and seven, aren't going to make a playoffs, but a team that has five wins might.
1: That's- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm Harbaugh, sorry, i, I, I
2: got to keep harping on this NFC South thing. That's, you know, that's my pet peeve. I hate
1: that. Yeah, Harbaugh's a good coach, I think, but it goes to show there's there's more to the, the winning and, and camaraderie than just on the field. There's, there's management problems in San Francisco. They're going to try to get rid of their coach. Where do you think Harbaugh's going to end up? Some people are saying Oakland getting traded there, but if I'm Harbaugh, I'm going to step down and actually go to college. I mean, he could get any college gig he wanted to almost, but I think he would be happier there.
2: I think he would too. We we talked about this, I think, last night or uh, last week on the show or earlier this, the show earlier this week, I'm sorry. But when we were talking about Urban Meyer being, you know, when I made the statement that he's a good coach, he's not a great coach. Okay, with Harbaugh, he is a good coach in the NFL. Not great, he's good but he would be a great coach in college. He would be, I think he would be very, very successful. There are some coaches that are not meant to go to a certain level. The same way, like, you, okay, you know my nephew. And when you asked him that one time about being a head coach, and he was like, no, I'm good, you know. <laughs> I'm good as a coordinator because there's a lot that comes with being that head coach. Now, when you look at college versus pro, in pro it's all about money. Okay, it's not about titles or national championships or the Super Bowl. It's all about money. We need wins because we want to sell. we got to put good product on the field so our fans will spend their money buying our stuff and supporting our team. So when you've got a coach and a team that are not jealous, something needs to change, and you're, you're going to get rid of the coach before you get rid of the, the, the entire team. So I think he needs yeah, to come back to college and enjoy.
1: Well, if you saw him at Stanford, the way he was able to uh, – the coaching the Pac twelve. I know he had Andrew Luck, but I think part of Andrew Luck's success now is because of of working with Harbaugh all the way he did, some of the things yeah. he taught him being an ex NFL quarterback. He has a lot to offer these kids in the in the NFL it's just hard to get these players to respect you. I mean you look at society That's today, right. nobody respects each other. How are you why do you think that you're gonna have these guys that are making high, I mean, multiple million dollars a year letting a guy make it for me and tell you what to do. It's it's just not going to happen in college. Yeah. People respect him, look up to him. He can mentor kids and, and help them when they get to the NFL, what it's going to be like. So I just think he needs to come back to college. I mean, that's just my vote. I totally
2: Totally agree. Jason, when you, when you look at the the, the, the legacy families in, in professional football and also college, I mean, you've got Harbaugh, you've got Manning. You know, you've got those names which you know equates quality. So he could come into – dude, he could take the head position at Florida. (laughs) He could come into the SEC and cut up. He could go to the Big Ten and and show out. He is just a quality coach. I will give give him that, but he's just not, you know, the NFL and he just aren't getting along.
1: Yep, and we're going to move off NFL right now. We're going to start discussing the playoffs starting Wednesday, given looking into the future a little bit, seeing what we can come up with after Monday Night Football. We should have a little bit more understanding of what's going on. 646-716-5564, if you'd like to call in tonight, call on in. We'd love to have you in. We're going to move over to college football. And, Sonia, the big news this weekend in college football, Auburn found out who their defensive coordinator was going to be. Will Muschamp, what do you think of the hire?
2: I think that's a great hire. I think you're going to have to watch out for Auburn. It's not like he's never been there before. He's got Gus. He's he's coming home, you know, basically. So, I think it's it's a great great hire. The one thing about him, he is he's so good at recruiting, you know, because Florida did jump when he was down there and recruited great. Um, it was just he didn't have the skills to put all that to bring all that talent together. That was the problem. Plus, he didn't have a quarterback worth of crap. Yeah, so, you know what I'm saying. So I think with the talent that's at Auburn, and then being under Gus, who is definitely on his way to being a great coach. Okay, he's he's going to be one of the greats. I give him that. I think it's it's a great hire. That's one of the, the best things that AU could have done.
1: Well, I think it speaks volumes of Gus Malzahn too, like of of what kind of leader he is. Because if if Will Muschamp, a coach that He was a defensive coordinator at Auburn for two years. He went to Texas and and dominated there as defensive coordinator. Four years' experience as a head coach in the SEC. And for him to take a job back at Auburn like that shows that he believes in Gus Malzahn. and, And you know what? I think the main reason he came back is because Gus is set on winning. And that's all he wants to do. He wants to develop these kids' character, of course, but... He, they have the same kind of they're, – they're both freaks on one's offense and one's defense, and I, I think Muschamp found out being a head coach is, is tougher than what it what he thought it would be. Just like Malzahn said, hey, this is a lot tougher than than I thought it was going to be. Just being an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator is one thing, but when you have to be the man putting it all together, like you said, sometimes it can make a coach look bad when they're really a good, very good coach. Look at Chiswick, one of the best defensive coordinators. <laughs> coordinators in the world, it seemed like. And then when he was a head coach, he just he lost it. So it's just, it's just good to have him back home. And, and Sonia, I know you'll get a kick out of this. A person that he mentioned in his interview, the only player he mentioned in his interview was Carl Lawson. So what does that tell you about Carl <laughs> Lawson? <laughs>
2: um, I actually ended up, I talked to his mom. But she had the flu so if, if they're listening, I doubt it, but just want to give him a shout-out. Let me give me Gregory Clark a shout-out. hope she. Which is Woody's mom. Um, I talked to her. He is very excited. He can't wait um, to, to just, he is so ready to get back on the field, you know, and he's very excited about uh, having Mooshamp there and, and being out there with his guys. So I think it's going to be a great season for him next year. I think he has, in his mind, I think what he has is making up to do. So expect 110% from uh, Carl Lawson. I'm just letting everybody know up front. That kid is a determined kid. I know this kid. He's, he's, his mom and dad are very very good friends of ours. He's a determined kid. I think that your defense next season is going to be just fire. Yep,
1: Definitely he's going to be practicing, starting the bowls. But one question, Sonia, it came out, and some of the lower-tier Auburn fans don't get this. I want to see what you think about it. Muschamp will not coach the bowl game. He will not be calling the plays. What Gus Malzahn and Muschamp want to do, is have less chance to evaluate all the practices, evaluate the talent. What do you think of that decision?
2: I totally agree. Why wouldn't you? I mean, he was just a head coach at a top rival in in your freaking conference. Okay? Auburn tier or lower tier Auburn fans, the ones that we call Barners, not the, the AU fans, <laughs> um, you guys really need to go sit in the corner, sit and spin. I'm sick of you guys. I'm sick of these bandwagon Bama fans. I'm sick of people who don't understand the game, don't know anything about the teams that they're speaking on, speaking out. We need all of you guys just to shut up because you don't know what you're talking about. That was the best decision that could have been made. That way there's no no sense of impropriety, anything like that, and it gives him a chance to see what talent he's going to be working with. You don't throw him in there because exactly. the first thing that's going to happen, if something happens and Auburn loses, you're going to blame him. See, that's what people exactly. don't think about.
1: Exactly. Somebody gets it. I'm. I'm so glad somebody sees it. Like you said, what is there to gain by? Bringing? He's going to be there at practice. He's going to be, hey. and not only is he. Not only is he evaluating the kids, he's evaluating the coaches as well to see how they interact, what their strengths are, because he can move them around. Just because you're the DB coach now doesn't mean you're going to be the DB coach once once the season's over with. But the only thing good that comes out of this is. He gets to sit back as, like you said, a head coach. Now he gets to focus as a defensive coordinator and say, okay, this is what this team looks like now. Well, I want to see what these guys do on the field. Maybe they're out of position. Maybe this corner needs to be a safety. You know, it's just
2: right. it's a, very, a
1: very, very smart decision by, by these guys to do this. And I'm excited to see you. And I was scared because the only guy I thought that could help us right now in the current state we were in – especially in recruiting two months away. And I looked on our recruiting, and I didn't see any real huge big defensive players is what we need. I think that could change, Sonya, with Muschamp coming in there in the next couple oh, of months. Oh, it's
2: definitely going to change. Uh, when you get – because cause Bama's got some good gifts, and Auburn has gotten a few good gifts. But I think you're going to see more – you're going to see Auburn rise because you've got two great recruiters on staff. You've got Gus Malzahn, and you've got Will Muschamp. How can you not say no when you've got these two men sitting in your living room? You know what I mean? How can you at least not give Auburn a chance? And and if they put the selling point the same way they did with Woody, um, and a lot of people might not know this, but when Woody went to Bama on his visit and he was doing his, his you know, officials back and forth, he one reason that he decided against Bama is he wanted to change his position. Nick Saban felt he'd be better in another position, and Woody did not want to do that. So when you've got a coach – that understands what your desire is and is not just thinking of – because, like, from Saban's mind, he's thinking, okay, this kid, put him here. You know, then you've got a dual position. You've got a dual threat here. You know what I mean? But sometimes kids need to realize that under somebody else. And I think that's what Saban, when, you know, he backed off, because he understood that Woody was going to go choose Auburn, when Woody gets down there and he gets that support that he gets from Gus, he gets the support that he gets from his defensive coordinators down there, and they understand what his personal desires and what his personal goals are. Then you add Will Muschamp to the mix, dude. Y'all gonna have another uh, upshot down there.
1: Well, that that uh, that Iron Bowl is gonna be interesting. You have Saban, um, Kirby, Smart, Kiffin, and then you on Auburn. You got Malzahn, Muschamp. I mean, this is gonna be. You think the rivalry was heated?
0: You know, in the last
1: few years, imagine what it's going to be like going forward. And it's just great when you see the state of of Alabama with the coaching in there. And offer J. Jacobs, AD, deserves a lot of credit. He told he told Malzahn, he said, "Look, here's a blank check. Go get your defensive coordinator, whoever you want." And that's who he chose, and and, and that's what I like to see in an AD. He's committed to win. Think about it. Brought in Bruce Pearl for basketball. And I can't think of the names of the softball and baseball coaches right now, but those are national championship coaches he brought in. He brought in Must Champ. So Jay Jacobs, Sonia, is turning him around at Auburn, and I think he made some mistakes early on, but he's he's making up for them
2: right now. He he really is. And what Auburn fans need to understand too, <clears throat> you've got to have patience. Nothing happens overnight. You you you're not going to have that win a national championship and then go three and nine. Or go three and nine and then next season win a national championship. It might happen, it might not, but your best bet is to to have realistic expectations and I think that's the problem with a lot of fans is they think, Okay, we got this person so boom, automatically we're gonna no. It's not going to happen. They have to work together. They've got to learn each other's styles. They've got to make sure that they gel first. They've got to make sure that transfers over to the players so the players know that the coaches are all on one team so you don't have the problem that you did have before, which is where you had Trooper Taylor you know, and his loyal players to him, and then you had players that were loyal to music. You don't want that, and that's one thing that I definitely see that Gus has stamped out and that he's taken control of. He's not. He's going to be the only coach. There's not going to be – this you know coach coach mooshamp's um boys or this no everybody reports to Gus the buck stops here and that's what auburn needs
1: yeah and there's a term that's going around that's kind of getting on my nerves already gus champ i mean come on guys i mean
0: on, oh, real you know Can we have some creativity I mean, here <laughs> i
1: mean you know it's, it, it was cute the first time i read it but the next 1000 times i see that it, it's it's kind of getting old but, uh, it really
2: does, go to, to, oh, and go people need it. to understand too. Half of the coaches in the SEC that you're looking at now, from from Will to remember Derek Dooley, um, these guys were under-saving at one point. So you still have the, and the master. So that's going to be a great game. I think that's going to make the iron, the Iron Bowl so much better. Is you've got. Here's Gus, who came in and just, you know, dashed our three P G, our three P dreams, and now he's got, which was uh, Will Muschamp, who was once a Saban disciple. So that's going to be so. You're just bringing another level to the Iron Bowl.
1: I mean, you know who Will Muschamp spoke with uh, during his couple weeks being off and after he after he left Florida, he talked to Gus or uh, Nick Saban. You yeah. know about his future and everything and what he was going to yeah, do. I'll call and, him. You know these 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 guys are, you know they're 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 going to be rivals, but they're they're good friends and they're mentors. I still have mentors. I call, you know, when I have a question, I might not go. I may not go to my boss currently or talk about it. It may be something that I want to talk with someone else. Everybody needs a mentor, someone they they can talk to and bounce ideas off. Because I don't think Saban would ever give him any bad advice. And. And, no, uh, and the, the guys know that. Uh, Derek
2: Dooley talked about that. Yeah, Derek Dooley talked about that when he left, when he was fired from, from the vault, and he talked about reaching out to Nick and how Nick was very supportive and, you know, very honest. And I think that's one reason they reach back out to him is because when you get fired from any job, even if it's for cause or whatever, that is very disheartening. You know what I'm saying? it's like... Okay, you know, am I not good enough? You start doubting and questioning yourself. So that's when you need those people like the Nick Sabans and the mentor and the friends that really know you to let you know, yeah, you made a few missteps, but you're not as bad as you think you are. You know, you're actually good, so why don't you focus on this and just recenter and start over again? Because when you're just putting trash on top of a dirty floor, all you're going to end up with is trash.
1: Speaking of trash, uh, Sanchez and the Eagles are down 21 to nothing to the Cowboys right now. I mean, God, oh,
2: I'm Sanchez
1: sucks.
2: Uh, no, you know yeah, what? The, I'm going to give Sanchez his credit because he did have that breakout game. He's not—he's no longer Mr. Butt Fumble. He's not a great quarterback, but he's not a bad quarterback. I think with uh, the Dallas is just a better team. I've got two players from Dallas on my fantasy team, so that's why I'm like, heck, yeah, I'm glad they're shutting them out. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, I mean, God butt it again at home, choking. I mean, it's still 11-21 left in the half. Anything can happen when you, you know, when you hurry up, team, and you, and you can get in a roll. We know how the NFL, the lead change one half to each half, but I just want to throw that out there. But uh, great move for Auburn, I think, and, and it was a desperation move. I know Paul wasn't very happy, um, you know, with, with chap coming to Auburn, I don't think. But T-Rob, what do you know about him, Sonia? That was a... That was the coach for Florida right now. That was real loyal to Must Champ, and a lot of Florida fans are upset right now that he's going to leave to go to Auburn. But and, and they were saying, "Well, why would he be out uh, recruiting with McElwain right now?" But Sonia, you're not going to quit a job with a family until you know you have another one, right? You're Heck yeah! Quit.
2: You you're <laughs> still you're still getting paid to do the job that you have, folks. Okay. <laughs> they, they that's usually, what I try uh, to tell them. Yeah, they usually have a release date and say, "Okay, I'll stay until this game is, you know, the bowl game or the week after the bowl game or whatever." They they still have to earn their paycheck and do what they can there. But at the same time, they also have most of them, I'll say 90%, I can't say everybody because I can't speak for everybody, but they also have an ethical, you know, they have an ethical line that they won't qu- they they won't cross. So you're not going to see him out you know, recruiting for Florida and then trying to say, Psst, call me when I get to Auburn. You know, if the kid decides to do that, that's on the kid. But that's what happens in recruiting. You know, no recruit is is um, yours until they sign on the dotted line and they show up on exactly. campus.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because my channel is, it, to me, I heard it was a done deal, but there's no such thing as a done deal until it's announced by the AD and until something right. comes out of contracts and signed. But this guy's not going to quit his job, tell his wife and kids, "Hey, Gus is going to get hired somewhere." When he does, he's bringing me. No, you you stay where you're going to stay. You 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 do what you got to do until it's official and you sign on the dotted line until right. until everything. Because coaching's a business and and it's dirty sometimes. I mean, it's it's oh, a dirty yeah. business. And so, oh yeah, well you uh, know I know. Were oh yeah, Florida's fans were surprised that that this was going to happen, and the writing was on the wall. But I know a lot of them are now saying that, you know, maybe it was dirty, doing, you know, going out recruiting kids and everything, you know, and doing that. Nah. But hey, he, he has a job to do too. Until it's yeah, over let the man
2: do his job, and if anything comes up in the in the wash, then it'll be addressed. But this meantime, in the meantime, all it is is sour grapes people who are upset, people who are, are PO'd and are looking for somebody to blame. There's nobody to blame but the product you put on the field, okay? And if you want to put that all on, on Moushampet, then it's done. He's gone. But now you need to focus on welcoming Apple um, Wayne back in there. You need to get some people. You need to show him support. Get get the, the fan base together, you know, so these recruits know. Because one thing people know, I don't think people understand, the same way we see this stuff on on social media – these kids read what you say. They really, and I can tell you, I know for a fact there were two recruits when Woody was going through his selection process who changed their mind based on the fan-based postings on message boards and on Facebook and things like that. So, fans, you better watch out because some of that stuff you say, it could actually push a recruit that you badly want to come to your team totally in the opposite direction.
1: That's why I hate social media sometimes. That's one of the negative things, Twitter, Facebook. You have these Alabama, Auburn, whatever, message groups, and they're in there. These players, if you look at the members of groups, you'll see that there's a lot of players in these groups, and they actually post from time to time. But then you see a guy going in and dogging. Some players, so if I'm a recruit coming in and I see a bunch of fans dogging these players on, on the internet, I don't want to mess up one day and have to come and listen to all that crap, so
2: That's right. hopefully
1: these fans will wake up one day and realize that, man, they just don't realize what their words can do and you're killing your school when these kids do that, too. You're, you're right, I've heard a couple of uh, stories, two or three, actually, where where kids said, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence, so after seeing these Alabama or Auburn or Florida fans, I'm not going to go there.
2: Yep. So. Exactly. Well, guys,
1: Sonia, anything y'all want to talk about before we go tonight?
2: Um, One thing that I wanted to touch on, hold on. Give me one second. Let me bring this back up. Because when we were just talking about the fans and the fan bases and the way the uh, the fan bases, the members of, uh, lower tier members of our individual fan bases address. Or uh, represent. Okay. Hold on. Let me see. Where is it? We talked about that.
1: Give me one second. Hold on. While you're doing that real quick, in the NBA news, Kobe Bryant passes Michael Jordan, and he's now third on the all-time scoring list. You know, I I used to like Kobe Bryant, but the more it goes on, the more I can't stand the guy. I mean, this guy is He's all about Kobe. He could care less. He dogs his team out in the media. He dogs his coaches out and questions them. Man, Kobe, go ahead and get hurt again or retire because I'm tired (laughs) of seeing you, man.
2: I am too. And what I wanted to touch on, and you and Jason might have talked about it because I had to step out of the room when you guys were talking about the Vikes. It was about Amari Cooper and and Teddy Bridgewater and how this is going to be a fun draft coming up. I'm really looking forward to the draft this year. Because, now, I didn't know that Teddy Bridgewater and Amari Cooper went to the same high school. I didn't know it until I On saw a favorite. tweet. Me, I know. They went to my uh, Miami North, Northwestern. Miami Northwestern. And he sent out a tweet when the uh, Heisman was were, were announced. And he congratulated Amari. And, you know, he was like, you know, hope to play with him. And Jason and I just started talking. And we're like, you know what? I could see North Turner sitting back and saying, okay, we don't make the playoffs. Fine. Teddy. Send Amari an email. <laughs> these kids, when you – we've got to start looking at, at where some of this talent is coming from. I mean, we really have have got to really start paying more attention to some of these high school games and not just, like, the, the Under Armour. You know, we've got to start paying attention to where these kids are coming from because when you've got a, a school that produces an Amari Cooper and a Teddy Bridgewater, dude, I'm keeping my eye on that school. And Amari it
0: yeah.
2: she wants to head yeah. So I just wanted to bring that up because it was just something that was interesting. I saw it on Twitter today, and I was like, i got to bring
1: that up. That is interesting. That would be a, a deadly, deadly combo, not only in the backfield with Adrian Peterson there, but, you know, Amari Cooper, and I'll talk about that before I go, before we get out of here. Amari Cooper, to me, uh, is the best player in college football. And I know the award's given for different things, but Amari uh, Cooper, no matter – he played in a conference where – Everybody in that conference, they played defense for the most part, and and you know what? They they knew that every game that that they had to double team him, and all these teams, Florida with the you saw how good of a defense Florida had. Amari okay. Cooper shredded that defense. Any defense that tried to get in his way, Auburn put five on him, and they still couldn't cover it. So I mean, it's it, it's how you it's how other teams have to to prepare against you and, and their respect for you. Mariota is going to find out when he plays Florida State and when he plays Alabama, and, and, yes, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, he'll be playing Alabama if he makes a championship game, that these guys like Florida State and Alabama, they're fast, they're big. And and Mariota, to me, seems like he struggles against defenses like that and Oregon in general. And I remember in 2010 when Auburn played, I think it was the best Oregon team so far, the 2010 team. Auburn was the eighth out of 12 ranked defense in the SEC and shut them down, really. I mean, just really got in there. And so I I just think we're too quick to judge on these guys until we get to see them play against the closest thing to the NFL they're going to play in, play in Florida State with those athletes and the speed and the coaches, and then you go play Alabama with that defensive mastermind, Saban and Smart, and that talent. If Mariota comes out of there with a championship, hey, he deserved that Heisman Trophy. But I have a – Funny feeling that, that, that well, everybody's gonna be surprised after those games. I don't even know if he gets past Florida State, Sonya. I,
2: I think so too. I totally agree. Jason and I were saying the same things. And the thing people too, need to realize and look at too, <clears throat> okay, Mariota. He is great. He is I wouldn't say he's a true dual threat, but he's a dual threat. You know, he can he can make some moves, whether passing, running the ball, the dude is gonna make something happen. He can throw. He can throw. But His O-line, I'm sorry, Oregon, your O-line, just like FSU's O-line, you guys have bursts of greatness. But on a consistent basis, you're always behind the eight ball. Your quarterback cannot spend more time on his behind than he does in the pocket, and you expect to win. And I'm going to go back, and I keep pointing to this one stat, and I'm telling you to me this is going to make the difference. When Mariota, first three games, he already had seven sacks. Okay? <laughs> Five in one game. That's all I'm saying. If you can't protect that quarterback, he can't make anything happen. So anybody who's sitting here putting all their hopes and dreams on Oregon, wake up. They've got two defenses that they got to go through.
1: It's just the size of them, Sonia. And, and, you know, any game, you, especially these big games, if you look at it, when I picked Auburn against uh, Oregon, it was because it wasn't Cam Newton only, it was the the front of Auburn on both sides. Looking at Alabama, you know, Oregon's not used to seeing a a team run a 3-4 like Alabama does or Florida State with these linebackers that can outrun anybody on the field. And with three linemen, they can get pressure easy. And then when they start disguising coverages, blitzing from everywhere, that's when we're going to find out. And I don't care, oh, yeah. I know you talked about the, the track stars of Oregon. That's great. And I think a lot of people get deceived by how many points they score and the way they run their offense, but it all starts at the line of scrimmage. And if you struggled against Washington State protecting your quarterback, Thank what are you going to do when you play Alabama on Florida State? I'm you sorry. You
2: feel me? You feel me? Yeah. I think everybody, they, like with to me, Oregon FSU is going to be a toss-up. That's going to be a hard-fought game in my opinion because you've got two up-tempo, you know, two very mobile quarterbacks facing each other, but both have o-line problems. Both have defense problems. So it's kind of like it's almost it's going to boil down to almost like with Bama, the secondary and special teams. Does that, you know, do they do they balance out there? When I look at Oregon, I see a lot of speed. I see a lot I see a lot more how do I want to put They're a little more tight. But then, you know what I'm saying? They're tight when their offense is on and clicking on all cylinders. That is a tight offense. But when I compare it to FSU, FSU can be tight. Like, they'll be tight second quarter, fourth quarter. And then the other two quarters, you're like, who is that out there? Is that the same team? Did, did they change uniforms and not tell us? <laughs> You know, so that's going to be a great game. But then when I look at Bama and I know what Bama can do and I realize that Nick Saban has a month to prepare, I'm betting on Bama. I bet on Crimson, 365, 366 leap year. I do not lose faith in my team. I love my coach. He's the best coach in college football. If Alabama walks away with another national championship this time, bow down. 'Cause that is the greatest team in college football. I'm not saying that just because I am a fan. I am saying that because it would be a fact. 'Cause that Alabama would be the only hate. they would be the I used only to hate team. Nick Saban. Oh. <laughs> but let me tell you, if Alabama does it, they would be the only team in college football history to win a national championship in every single bowl selector. Everything that we've gone through, from the BCS to the playoff committee, all the way back to the A P polls and the old you know, the old eighteen something polls. Alabama would be that team, so I'm really hoping we pull it off because that right there puts us at the top.
1: I saw some stat last night on Alabama. It was, I think, in the last six seasons or five seasons, something like that. Auburn or Alabama's had a top three finisher in the Heisman three of those years or something. That was a that was an interesting stat I saw. But yeah, Nick Saban has his guys ready. Whether it's a month off, the week off, three days off, Nick Saban, I have to give him the advantage um, when they play. Not only are they the more, more talented team, and you know you have to look at coaching, and, and they're the best coach team. It doesn't matter what offensive coordinator you plug in or, or whatever changes are made on the staff. Saban seems to always make the right hire, and it, you know, it's it's just he's the best in the game. There's no even discussing that or arguing it. You know, 20 years from now, could there be a coach better? We never know. I mean, you, you just don't know how time goes and how the game's going to change. But right now, in my 38 years of living, I have I'm never sure. seen a coach is that wins as much as Nick Saban does.
2: I have to – a I, I, I coach me. I can compare him to is Bear. <laughs> yeah, it, I swear, that is the me. only coach – in, in the SEC or, or in recent college football history, I can compare him to because the man has done so much. And the thing is, it doesn't matter, you know, t- change the system, draft my entire defense, draft my quarterback, draft my kicker, do this, do that. Okay, we're still going to keep rolling. And that to me speaks to recruiting and it speaks to the depth at Alabama. But it also speaks to these other coaches who pick up on that. Because now you're seeing, like, Coach Kill, Coach Jerry Kill in Minnesota is a perfect example. Everybody thinks that Urban Meyer was the first Big Ten coach to start recruiting in um, FCC country. He was not. It was actually Jerry Kill. Because Jerry Kill understood that a two, three star in the FCC is a five star in the Big Ten. And he could develop that talent. Now, look at what he's done over the past three years with these great recruiting classes, getting some, some strong, strong guys on defense out of the SEC, they're ranked for the first time on a playoff committee poll. Minnesota was number 25, okay? They're go- they've are they been bowling. He's been there, what, maybe six years or four years? This is his fourth year. His fourth year, three bowl seasons. So when you see coaches like that, that to me is what makes a great coach because they're thinking of head, they're thinking of the depth, they're thinking recruiting, they're thinking, you know, they're always thinking that's the thing. They don't have to have one star player. And I'm sorry, with Urban, he had Tebow in Florida, okay? He's had his great stars up there. He's going to the playoff committee. I will give, give you credit for that, okay? Congrats. The first four teams in the first playoff, college football playoffs ever, great. But I need to see more consistency before I call you a great coach. So that, to me, is what makes the difference between a good or a great coach. What do you do with the talent that you have, and how do you develop that talent? I don't want to see you develop talent to win a national championship and then these guys go pro and they suck.
1: Yeah, and it's and, and I, I respect coaches like, you know, we talk about saving Chip Kelly, Gus Malzahn, that, that, you know what, if you give me a quarterback like Auburn had Chris Todd and you're able to change your offense to, his strings, Chris Todd. He's not a dual threat guy. He's not going to run to death, but we're going to make this offense around him to make him more productive and to win games. That's mm-hmm. why a lot of people panicked this year, Bama fans, because their quarterback was gone and all this. And all they had to do was have faith in their coach. Thank you. And that's, Thank you. And that's all you have to do. That's it all you feel have to
2: like, do. Like I did. What did I keep saying? I trust my coach.
1: Yeah, you did. A hundred times. You said it. <laughs>
2: I was like, I don't, I don't right. agree with it because I have never been a, a big Lane Kiffin fan, but I trust my coach, and I'm so glad I do.
1: And you know, I couldn't say that about Chiswick. I couldn't say that about Tuberville, but it's weird. I can say that about Malzahn because I know his goal is to win, and that's all he wants to do. He's hungry, and I uh, trust him to make the right decisions to get the right people, just like Jason. You know, with Coach Kill, I guarantee if you ask him, he'll say, I trust him as a as a leader and as a coach. And if you can do that, your team's going to be successful.
0: Blind faith. <laughs> Did you hear
1: him? Yeah, blind faith. Blind I mean, faith. It's, it's weird how you can – I mean, it's it's peaceful when you know, like, you know, even I doubted Alabama this year. I, I thought, you know, with losing the quarterback – Losing McCarran and that leadership, plugging in some holes in the offensive line and the defense. But look at them. They got better every week.
2: Every they week. They faced
1: adversity a few weeks. And, you know, people are like, what are you doing Beat Arkansas by one point? Why would you only beat LSU in overtime? But at the end of the day, it, it, it's the first time any coach has had to prepare, you know, for a, what, a 15-game schedule. Saving used mm-hmm. to, you know, you play your twelve, your SEC championship and your championship with a month in between. But now that that's a huge difference. Fourteen to fifteen games. You only have a week off now in between the fourteenth and fifteenth. And nobody's ever played fifteen games in a in a season well, before. So this is the first.
2: It is. And that's why you have to give like you have to give the four teams in the top four. The ones who made the final four, you've got to give them credit because these guys really fought it out. I don't take all the other stats and the strength of schedule and all that BS out of the, the, the equation. These are still the final four teams that fought the law and won, you know. Yep. So when I see these teams, I'm I'm really looking forward to see what they bring to the field to see, you know. One thing about Saban that, that I've noticed since he's been our coach, and if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Courtney Upshaw said this once, and it was an interview right before the uh, SEC championship game when we played Georgia. And he said this, and I saw it, and I was like, okay, I, I got it. Now I got it. Nick Saban will never let you know how good or bad any player is. And what those players kept saying about Blake Sims, you know, through the off season and even when we were looking at the screen game, you got to just trust us. He's better than AJ. And we're like, dude, we've been watching this guy for a long time. I don't see that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then you you turn around and the season starts and you see this this Blake Sims that you've never seen before step out on the field. He's commanding. He's commanding respect. He's taking control. He's stepping in. He's not, you know, folding under pressure. Here's this guy that we just saw as the backup's backup, and he's led this team to the promised land. So, to me, the biggest redemption story out of college football this season has to be Lane Kiffin and Blake Sims. If you don't understand, you've got – the coach nobody wanted, and the quarterback nobody cared
0: for. And look at them yep. now. That's a good
1: point. And, and one thing I'll throw in before we go is, you know, we talked about the 15 games now. This is a new journey for the four teams that were selected into the playoff. All of them have to play 15 games this year. Think about TCU and Baylor that got left out. Would it have been fair to let them play and only win a championship playing 14 games? That's a big that's a big difference. And Maybe the Big 12 ought to think about You know, adding a non-conference game, another one to play thirteen regular season games, if they could do
2: that, Fanya. Oh, yeah. And I'm so glad you brought Baylor up because I do have to bring this up. Art Brow, you are the biggest dumb (laughs) azz that I've ever seen. (laughs) I got a chance, as you know, Tarvin. I was sick last weekend, so I missed all of my football, everything, and I I was kind of late behind eight ball. I didn't feel uh, too much better until Monday night, Tuesday morning. So I was getting caught up on everything that I missed on the weekend, and I just have to say this to Art browse. Art, there is a time and a place for everything, okay? You are not old, or you're not young. You're not like uh, a ball USC Kiffin head coach. You're an established coach. You know what the deal is. Two things that you do not do, and I think every coach would know this. Number one, you do not insult the playoff committee at all especially when you just did not get picked for the final four. You don't call anybody out by name. You also make sure you know what you're talking about because the second thing that you did is you kept talking about how if Archie Manning was there, you would have a friend on the committee. Baylor would have a friend on the committee. Okay, so what you're what I get from that statement is you want the same special treatment that you're saying other teams are receiving now. That's what you expected. So you threw your friend under the bus because people think that that Archie Manning stepped down from the playoff committee. No, he didn't. He stepped down for this season because he had to deal with his hip replacement surgery. So he's still on the committee. There's just an alternate taking his place for this this (laughs) vote, this first vote. So you you just left him there. And the third thing is you don't even know who's on the playoff committee because he kept harping about there's no Big 12 uh, representation. Okay, Oliver Luck is the AD of WVU. What conference is W V U in? Big Twelve. Okay. So case rested. Next <laughs> time art, don't sound like a whiny little kid who's upset that things didn't go his way. Take a take a cue from Gary Patterson, accept the inevitable, inevitable graciously, and show some class. Because to me in and all of these these Big Twelve fans and Baylor fans and all of this are like, He spoke up. No he didn't. He just made you look like fools. Because now you look like a bunch of whiny kids who don't like the fact that you didn't get your way. No. Be happy with what you've got. And next time maybe you'll play a stronger schedule, you know, now that you know what's going on. You can go two years out because the schedules are made like two or three years out. You can go two or three years out and say, okay, boom, we need to switch this up. We need to switch this up. But don't get mad at the system that you agreed to when it doesn't work out for you.
1: That's some great points, Sonia. And, guys, thanks for joining me tonight. We're going to be back on Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. We're going to talk a lot of NFL, and we're going to start looking at the bowl games. We're, I mean, there's so many. We're going to have to start soon to get them. I've got to run. I've got a long week ahead of me. Hopefully, y'all can make All it with us Wednesday night, Jason and Sonia. But thanks again for joining us, and have a great week, guys.
2: All right. You, too. Take care.
1: All right. You, too. Bye.